baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. You remember 2020, right? You remember when companies wanted to forget 2020, when they were trying to move back into their spaces they were leasing or or owned in these corporations? And now they want to forget 2021. Why? A new variant will only add to the chaos of getting workers to come back to the office in a safe way. A safe way. Hmm. What would that look like? So how are they balancing face-to-face contact with virtual contact, and how are they dealing with mass resignations during the big quit era? Well, let's bring in Kelly Liker, an adjunct professor at the University of St. Thomas School of Business and owner of her own consulting firm that coaches executives and companies large and small. Welcome, Professor Kelly. How are you? I'm well. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's great to have you. Um, here's the thing. When we heard about the, the big resignation, initially we thought, this is not going to last. I'm sure that these um, employees are going to come back. They're going to find better jobs. They're, you know, they're still going to be working, and we don't have to worry about it. But it hasn't panned out that way, has it? No, it really hasn't. It's, it's been a tricky situation for a lot of organizations. So if that's the case, and we know that this big resignation is still going on, what can be done to bring us all back together, to bring people back into the corporations, to bring them back into the offices? Um, how are the corporations, offer, what are they offering them? How are they dealing with those uh, former, um, former employees that they're trying to seduce back into the, in, back into the building? It's a, it's a great question, Zerlin, and I think it's the right question to ask. Because when you think about, if you don't mind for a moment, stepping back and thinking, but why are we here, right? There are, in essence, two causes that got us in this situation. The first one is really the burnout. You know, like you said, two years ago, COVID came and people were startled and immediately put into their home. And they were put into spaces with their kids and children and pets and no place to work. And, and it was a lot, right? And that actually relates to some research I've done around this idea of this 85-15, right? So you think about yourself and your normal. 85% of what you do all the time is what you're used to, right? So you're an actress and a singer. You have a full life, but that's what you're used to. That's normal for you. If you have kids, pets, normal, right? The 15% is usually what we use to learn new things, right? To handle the good things, the hard things, learn a new language, whatever it might be. Well, when COVID came, it took at least that 15%, if not 30, right? <laughs> so here we were, right. overwhelmed, stressed out. And what happened that's interesting is that over time, we adjust. So people got used to 85-15. They got used to that 85% of working at home, figuring out how to have an office, figuring out how to get their kids to do their work, getting them back to school. And so they kind of felt like they had it figured out. So when organizations said, hey, you know what? We want you back in the office. A lot of them really struggle with this concept of lack of autonomy, right? So intrinsically, we're motivated by three main things, the need to feel competent, the need to have autonomy, and to be related to a mission or whatever values that might be. And so an organization said, hey, oh, boy, we are feeling an issue of its relatedness. You're all virtual. We need you back in the office. But 
the challenge is for those who are already used to working at home and liking it and in a groove, the autonomy part really got in the way. So it's not unlike if you have a, you know, teenager who gets their license, they're out driving for a year, they're doing great, and you're like, gee, you know what? I think I'm just going to start driving you around and taking your license away. It didn't really send the right message. Right. And here's the thing for me. Um, a lot of young people uh, were burned out, absolutely burned out. And they just said, you know what? We're sick of it. Whatever it was we were doing, we don't want to do anymore. How do you seduce them back? How do you bring them back into the building, bring them back uh, in and, and say, we really need you here. We want you here. Please come back. We're going to offer you more money. None of that seems to be working. So now what do we right. do? Right. And you're absolutely right. The money is the issue. As we we're talking about the intrinsic motivation of feeling competent and autonomy and relatedness, we really actually need to fix the autonomy thing first, and then we can fix the burnout. So if you think about the idea of, let's say, taking a college course, right? As a, as a professor, when someone comes into my class, they look at the syllabus, and the very first thing they look at is, how do I get an A, right? What, what, mm-hmm. what are you measuring? Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens in the workplace. And I think, to be honest, you know, as I've worked with a lot of organizations, Many of them struggle with being clear on what is an outcome-based work environment. How do my workers get an A? How do they know they're successful? And the younger generation is very, very motivated by the need to feel competent and to have the autonomy to do that. So we as companies and leaders can really do our work on focusing on what is the outcome we're looking for. What does A-plus work look like? How can we make sure you're successful? And if we're clear on that, that's very attractive to workers. And then to be able to say, hmm, Okay, you know what great work looks like. We don't care if you do it at 6 in the morning, 10 at night, if you do it at home, in the office. We want to make sure that great work is being done to help our organization move forward. And that's a really strong proposition for a lot of workers these days. So do we have the support of the executives, managers, uh, organizational management, where they are absolutely making sure that young people can answer those questions, that they're getting the answers to the questions you just presented? Well, I, I do think it's a lot of them are struggling, right? It, it, some organizations were doing a bit of this before COVID, and if they were, they've gotten better. Um, some organizations weren't great at it, and they really used a you know eight to five, nine to five clock, and very concrete solutions about you know get this work done by this date, and then we'll like you. Well, that doesn't really work anymore. And the bigger challenge is that when people are coming back into the workplace and they're still suffering from some of that burnout, kind of a forgive the language, but like it's like a COVID hangover. People are coming in kind of groggy and tired. And so as organizations and leaders can stop and say, hey, hold on, let's figure out what to just focus on and simplify what we're focusing on outcome-wise, chunk things down, give you more space to do the right work and important work. Then we're going to give people more chance to breathe, to be able to be more creative be more innovative, and that will help the organization do well, but it also energizes the employees so they get to that confidence feeling and excitement. And so it is hard work, but I think a lot of great HR teams help, a lot of internal teams help. I, I work with companies doing it, and it's, it's pretty fun once they get it organized. They kind of think, gosh, why didn't they do this sooner? <laughs> Yeah, but we've been trained. We've been trained to do it the way, um, you know, trying to have the autonomy. And when it comes to burnout, you say let people focus on just a few important things and let other items fall by the wayside. Oh, my gosh, I have never heard in a corporation let it fall by the wayside, <laughs> ever. So how in the world do we incorporate that into who we are today? 
Yeah, that, that's really, it's really fair. I, um, I probably shouldn't say this on the radio, but I do have a little bit of a cheat sheet on that. I, I tend to see that it's actually usually employee-driven, believe it or not. I think at the end of the day, companies want great work to be done, but it's hard for them to say, and I've seen some organizations do it. There are large ones that do it. They say, hey, no meetings on Fridays. Let's say no to some meetings. A lot of companies in the Twin Cities do a great job with that. But I think intrinsically when a person says, hey, I've looked at my schedule, I've looked at my work, and based on your mission, here are the five things I think that will really make a difference. I recommend to employees to go to their leadership and say, hey, I'm giving you multiple choice, two items. I would say give multiple choice, not just one, but say I can work on these five things or these six things. Which do you think are more important? And if you give an A and a B, a leader above you will say, oh, I actually like B, or you know, a little bit of A and B. But either way, the employee then is driving that. The employee is has the chance to own their own future. And regardless of the choice the leader picks, they're liking both. <laughs> if I'm giving you two an A and a B and I like them both, I'm happy. I'm happy whichever one you pick. And it gives the leader a chance to have some autonomy to say what they want and be, feel competent. But it gives the employee a chance to really drive their own future with that autonomy. And I've seen that work really, really well. Everyone wins the end, actually. You know, here's the thing. I am very clear from what you're saying on what the employer wants. What I'm not clear on is where the employees stand. The frustration of it all over this two-year um, mm -hmm. difficulty, this pandemic, has changed us so much. It changes what we want for our lives, for our families. Mm -hmm. It changes where we want to work. What type of work do we want to do? What type of work is meaningful? This is what people are thinking more about that I talk to. Absolutely. Where do you stand? Absolutely. And I, yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And that's where I think organizations that haven't figured out the intrinsic motivation piece have really struggled. They're the ones who have lost the most in the great resignation because there was a time when the extrinsic motivation of carrying the stick and money and pay and bonuses or, you know, getting in trouble with your performance, that was enough, but it isn't enough now. And so even if you have an organization that doesn't have super fancy, fun, frilly work, right? I have companies that say, well, my, my business isn't super exciting to an outside person. There still are so many organizations that have worked through that by really focusing on, focusing on the intrinsic motivation. So that relatedness piece is huge there, right? That's where the corporate culture comes in. That's where how people relate to each other, how they connect with the impact of the work they do, making a difference in the lives of customers and of people in our world. That's really important to focus on. And regardless of how concrete or fancy or fun your business is, it's every company can do that. And then employees will be much more drawn to come work with you and stay. I, you know, it makes sense to me. It's just that I have to tell you, Kelly, this is a new day. We are not the same mm -hmm. we were in 2019. We're just not the same people. Our hearts, our minds, every piece of us, every part of us seems to be, um, Let's just say we are evolving as yes. workers. We are evolving as leaders. We are evolving. And this evolving, do you think that it's connecting well? Well, I think there's certainly a lag, <laughs> just like on any spectrum, right? You, you start on one end and you swing the other way. And so companies went through everyone being at home to everyone coming back into the workplace and, and saying it's required. And, and I think that's, that's failing. I've worked with a number of HR people, and they say, you know what, we're worried about being consistent. We have to require people to come in. And I say, that is a huge mistake. It will, you will lose more than you will win. And 
So you're right. Companies are figuring it out kind of trial by error. But if you can figure out how to help people connect with what they need, like you just said, Gerilyn, people want their, their lives needs to be met. So if they have little kids and they figured out how to get their work done to get the kids off to school because they did that during COVID and now that works for them as part of their 85% normal, let them keep it. Don't take those things away and put them back into a stressful situation because they've learned like, hey, I can get it done without being stressed. Now you're making me stressed. That's why they're leaving. So companies can just relax a little bit. <laughs> they really, if they just think about what each individual person needs, it really does make a difference. And I have seen many companies make that switch and it's working. It's just not as prevalent as you and I would like to see yet. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing what the model will look like in the future. And I'm talking about the future like January, February of 2022. <laughs> we need to see, a, we, we do, we need a new model. We need to see how it's going to work. Yeah. We need to understand exactly what our leaders are asking us to do. Are they just asking us to do something rote? Uh, are they asking us to just put out, put out, and put out without us receiving more input on how to be mm -hmm. our best selves in a pandemic? And I don't know how long this is going to last. How long do you think we will be considering this oh, um, over and over and over again? I'm sure there are going to be many changes in some of the statements even you've made tonight um, that we may receive today, but maybe in three months, we'll go, wait a minute, we got to rethink that. Right. Well, you're absolutely right. It is, it is constantly evolving. And there isn't a long period of time where we have to, where we can afford to not stop and iterate on this. We've got to be having conversations with our people, with our leadership and keeping it really open and fluid about let's get to the right outcomes. Because the way we get there will change. If if a variant comes back up, we're going to you know, adjust and adjust, and that's how our lives are right now. But we can always be focused on the outcomes for our organization of what we want to do to change the world, make things better, whatever our mission is of our organization. And as leaders, to continue that conversation and connect with your employees, that works. And I think from an employee perspective, to be able to hear from your company, we're going to let you have flexibility on how you help us get there because we value you. You're smart. You're a part of our culture. You're part of the intelligence that makes us great. So it's really about iterating and keeping that conversation open. And I certainly hope 2022 gives us a lot more of that. Well, I tell you, when you start talking about culture, this is what we're looking for. Culture, to me, um, adds to your life. Um, the culture can be so positive and so uplifting. And, you know, when you go into a business, I just went to a nail shop recently in St. Paul. I live in Minneapolis. And I have to tell you, for the first time I've ever been in a nail shop to get my feet and hands done, there was nothing but joy. It was my second time mm. coming. And every time they are laughing and enjoying life and telling their stories, whether you could understand their language or not, they would speak in both languages, trying to make sure everyone hears the story. And you're laughing hysterically. And mm -hmm. I thought to myself, this is why I walk through this door, because okay. I know I'm going to sit down and receive some joy. And if we That's walk right. out with that joy, then we can share a little bit with each other. Walking next to them, you, you know how it does. Joy just kind of jumps mm. all over the place. So that's what That's I'm looking right. for with work as well. A lot of us are looking for us to have fun again. So in all that you've right. talked about tonight, when it comes to burnout or autonomy, the solution, um, where do you see us going in the next five years? I know you said that the changes will be made as they need to be made. But where do you really see? Because these young people, there are generations of young people that are going, nope, don't want that. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, I don't know. If, well, I'm sure you probably remember, but back when people used to start 
talking about the gig economy back when there were more consultants and people going out on their own, and that was a real big spurt. I think what that did back then was get people to think about what do I bring and how do I own my own self and my own future to bring my gifts to the table. And I really envision a version of that. I think people will still be employees, but I think the more awareness and clarity each individual gets about who they are and what they bring, it's richer. It's richer just than the menu approach to jobs where you open up the newspaper, which doesn't exist, right? Or, or LinkedIn or whatever people look up. Indeed, you say it, it, and they look for a job. That's going away. People have to be able to say, here's who I am. Here's my idea of a great time, and I'd like to give it to someone who wants it. And then I think companies will do a better job of saying, wow, you got a little bit of everything. Let's figure out how to make all that work. That's where I would love to see it go, and I think there's a chance. Well, I hope you're right because, boy, um, our brain trust is getting a little smaller because people <laughs> are trying to find their way as to where, where am I going to deliver my brain trust? Who deserves to have my brain trust? And I don't care if you're 21 or 51. The bottom line mm -hmm. is we are now individually making the decisions for ourselves in this incredible time we're living in. So you I hope I can right. have you back on, Kelly, to get an update on how all of this is unfolding in the corporations. I look forward to having you back. Oh, I would love that. Thank you so much for having me. It's, it's a great conversation, and thanks for bringing it to, to the audience just to start thinking about. Great to have you join us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great night. Now, that was Kelly Liker. She is an adjunct professor at the University of St. Thomas. St. Thomas' School of Business and owner of her own consulting firm that coaches executives and companies large and small. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app.